Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. It is August the 2nd. 2022, and it is a Tuesday, so good Tuesday morning to you. I like to think of Tuesday as the day when we taste and see that the Lord is good. So how will, um, how might you make the goodness of the Lord known to others today through maybe table fellowship, through the breaking of the bread? Um, what will your public witness look like as you eat and drink today? Like right in the most common of activities How do we make the Lord known? How might we extend our table fellowship to others? Um, Maybe check in with your local school and find out, you know, how how kids are going to be eating lunch, eating breakfast and lunch this year. The rules related to that and the finances related to that have changed dramatically. Um, And it's possible that in your community, you know, every kid, every family is going to have to pay their own way this year, um, except for, you know, those who are... um, considered to qualify for for free breakfast and free lunch. But there's just lots of families who are going to have a hard time making those ends meet. So how might you help make those ends meet? There you go. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And let us extend that grace and blessing to others. Today's growing your faith verse of the day, actually verses of the day, come from Proverbs. We're actually going to spend the entire month of August in the book of Proverbs in our faith verses of the day. If you don't get the growing your faith verse of the day in your inbox every morning, why not? Go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up. Today is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and earn a good reputation. So these are um, part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. We talked yesterday about Solomon, who aggregates the Proverbs. Some of them he writes, some of them he borrows from others whom he considers wise. We talked about where Solomon's wisdom comes from in answer to his prayer for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. When the Lord offered to give him anything, that's what he prayed for. Uh, And the Lord added to that everything else, reminding us that as we Um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added unto us. Wisdom. What is wisdom? And what is the wisdom of this passage? This passage talks about loyalty and kindness. So consider those words for a moment. Loyalty and kindness. Loyalty is about being an honest person um, in all situations. Loyal to God. Loyal to um, the ways of God, the character of God. And in in that, we find ourselves perfectly honest before God and others. So at the root of loyalty is honesty. And at the root of honesty is truth. So when Solomon is talking about loyalty, he's talking about honesty and he's talking about truth. What does it look like to be a person of truth in the culture today, in every relationship, before God and before other human beings? And then the second word is kindness. 
Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. So never let truth and what? Truth and kindness, truth and tenderness, truth and huh, love. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. What does it look like for you to adorn yourself with the symbols of loyalty and kindness or truth and love? Hmm, maybe you wear a cross. What does it mean to write them deep within your heart or allow God to write them deep within your heart? That took me to Jeremiah 31, which is reflected in Hebrews 8:10, which says this. This is the covenant I have made with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. What's written on your heart today and who wrote it there? Is the law of God written on your heart? I mean, if God's law is written on our hearts by God, it's never, it's never going away. It's never going to leave us. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have you stored up God's word in your heart today? Where in the word are you today? 2 Corinthians 3.3, Paul testifies to this. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablet of the human heart. Mm. You are God's love letter of loyalty and kindness to the world today. Let the love of God be written on your heart and then extend that grace, extend that goodness, extend that truth to others. Remembering always that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God stronger than man's strength. Our friend Nick Pitts joins us next. We're going to survey some of the headline news of the day as we bring the mind of Christ to bear. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Nick Pitts is back. He's a fellow at the Institute of Global Engagement. You can follow him on Twitter at J Nick Pitts. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well today. I'm well today. I'm praying for the people of Kentucky. That situation just continues to um, just bear out the the most horrific of headlines and families uh, and communities, churches still really struggling. Um, you know, just even in the recovery effort. So I suppose I have that top of mind this morning, even though there's lots of other news as well. Yeah, uh, it's just tragic what's happening in the bluegrass state. But uh, I don't know about you, Carmen, but there's all even like I'm reminded of the Mr. Rogers quote. Uh, When you see terror in the headlines, always look for the helpers because the helpers are all around. Uh, Earlier this week, I read a story about how there was an individual that was trying to go get gas. He got stranded on the side of the road. And while he was stranded on the side of the road, trying to wait to the water to reside all of a sudden he sees this anonymous figure come and rescue this 90 plus year old woman from her house who's screaming for help and her two family members and this person didn't want any acclaim or didn't want to be identified at all and so even in the midst of all this sorrow which doesn't help alleviate any of the pain and suffering that's happening we do see that there are helpers that are out that aren't seeking acclaim or glory but are just seeking to be good neighbors in the midst of this Amen. Amen. 
Um, you and I have read some recent uh, research findings um, in terms of who is in the best position to generate healthy conversations around the challenges that we face in our culture. Um, read us in on that research. Yeah, so Bonnie Wright wanted to say, let's give them something to talk about. And <laughs> now Americans are asking who's going to be leading that conversation. And so, unfortunately, there's a, a new LifeWay uh, research study that came out that indicated that uh, Americans just simply aren't coalescing around one particular individual or institution to help lead healthy conversations around issues that are facing the American populace today. So, for example, uh, about 18 percent of Americans say the elected president is in the best position to generate a healthy conversation. 14% say local pastors are. 9% say elected members of Congress. 8% business leaders. 8% professors mm. in universities. We're just seeing a, just a, a precipitous... Those are terrible uh, numbers. I mean, like, oh, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I mean, 18% is, is the highest number, but, you know, down there, down there at the lowest level, you know, members of the media, 6%, and then below that, musicians and professional athletes, 3%. Like, who's in the best con position to lead the conversations of the day? I mean, no one. No one. 32% no. of the people yeah. said none, none of those people. You know, it's fascinating because we, uh, we're mourning the loss of Bill Russell over the weekend. And Russell reminded me of a, uh, there's a concept known as indirect leadership. And so mm. uh, in his book, uh, Howard, uh, Howard Gardner, he wrote this book called Leading Minds, and he identified direct leaders from indirect leaders. Direct leaders would be individuals that it's your boss that's exercising authority and influence in your company. That would be a direct type of leader. He's He or she is exercising their influence within the domain and sphere in which they have credentials. Whereas Russell, on the other hand, was an indirect leader. Yes, he exercised uh, leadership and influence on the basketball court. But more than that, he also exercised his influence in the civil rights uh, movement to such an extent that he was able to create equitable and um, more equal change uh, here in the U.S. Individuals that were able to cr cross uh, sectors and industries to be able to exercise influence and leadership in such a way that Americans would prosper as a whole. And I, I just saddened today because there are very few and far between type of leaders like this study's indicating that are able to ha have those conversations to lead us to a better place than where we are today because there's just not the credibility anymore um, from individuals to be able to hold those type of conversations and to share that type of leadership. I also think it's hard, uh, you know, just for people to gain the kind of um, audience that is then required to have the kind of influence that is broad enough to change things. I mean, certainly, you know, you and I would bear witness and testimony to the absolute power of personal relationships and um, bearing out uh, bearing out influence in the spheres where, you know, where we have direct access to um, to people. But I do think that you know, there's there's such noise in the culture today. It's so loud um, that it's it is hard for a good leader even to um, to establish credibility. Um, and part of that is, you know, the the dark money that's out there um, on the edges. Um, and, and part of it is just the, the very loud media environment we live in today. Nick, um, let's leave this topic there. And then um, when we come back, I would love for you to take us into this Pew Research on um, what people's perceptions are in relationship to the right role of the government 
in support of parents and children. So give that some thought. Um, what is the right role of government? What do you think government should or should not be doing in terms of supporting parents and children in the culture today? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thanks for texting me this morning um, on the text line. I'm appreciating reading what you're writing, 877-933-2484. Um, good morning to each and all of you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. We're talking with our friend Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Nick, take us into this um, Pew Research and their question and their findings in relationship to you know, what we and our neighbors actually do think about the right role of the government um, in terms of the support of parents and children. Yeah. So uh, Pink Floyd said, leave those kids alone. Lo and behold, <laughs> Americans, uh, by and large, can't agree what we're supposed to do with kids from a governmental standpoint. And so mm. if you read found, uh, it's again, it's it's another one of those polls. It's not nearly as low as what we were just talking about, but there is no consensus around what the role of government is, if it's doing enough, if it's uh, if it's uh, not, it's doing too much relative to helping parents as well as children in today's society. About 46% say the federal government's doing too little to address issues affecting parents. And slim majority, 54%, say the government does too little uh, to address issues facing kids today. Uh, about four in ten, thirty-eight percent of adult, thirty-eight uh, percent of adults say the government does just the right amount for kids today. And then when you break it up along um, kind of uh, from a partisan divide, forty-nine percent of Democrats and forty-one percent of Republicans say the federal government does too little to address these particular issues that are facing kids and parents today. So I think Nick, you know, here's part of my challenge. Um, you know, I'm I am a person who thinks that, you know, small government is the right size government. I don't want government intruding into every area and aspect of life. Um, but I also recognize that as a culture, we prioritize old people in, in terms of public money. Um, and if we're going to be pro-life, if we're going to be genuinely pro-life, then what does it look like for we the people to say, hey, the money that we aggregate through our taxes, it should go to support um, people who are having kids, um, mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that we're, we shouldn't be supporting elderly people, but let's face it, that's who's voting. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people who get angry that, hey, everybody just votes to secure their own, uh, their own benefits from the government. That's exactly what's happening today. Like, you know, older Americans are voting to secure their fund, their money, their access that comes from the government. Um, and, you know, and I know they're, they're going to be quick to say, well, we're the ones that paid in. Well, hello, if we're pro-life and we're, and we're trying to say that we want people to have the babies that are conceived, um, then we, we might have to do more to support single moms. And we might have to do more to support young couples. We might have to do more to support kids. Completely agree. Um, and again, they're, they're 
free to do this. I'm just using this as a point of reference for context, just to completely agree with you that we do spend the vast majority of our money on our retirees and retirement, uh, the kind of boomer population. They, uh, among industry groups in the 2020 elect campaign election cycle, the retirement industry uh, boasted the, the largest amount of giving to campaigns and uh, to super PACs and to PACs. Which is well. to say uh, they are lobbying the government for their own benefits in a, in a very yeah. robust way. And they're and they're and they're free to do that, but I, of course I they just, are. I, I would just hope that we would, uh, like you said, uh, would just give attention to issues that are fa- facing parents. I think Senator Romney has a great bill to help come and support parent single parents and to help support kids that are born that will be born into poverty by uh, providing them um, uh, financial means in those first months of pregnancy. Because if we're pro-life, we believe. Life begins at conception. It doesn't begin when the child um, uh, comes out of the mother's womb. So we need to support that young mom as she's making, uh, as she's dealing with that pregnancy. And I think Governor Romney's, or not Governor Romney's, rather Senator Romney's um, uh, child tax credit plan does that. I think there are also other issues um, because, again, from a limited government standpoint, as you mentioned, I think about two things in particular that need to be at the top of mind relative to what the federal government is supposed to do, regardless of what we think they do too little or too much. They need to provide a safe place for our kids today, and they need to provide, uh, and then I would argue that they need to provide uh, opportunities for education and learning, which has just been built into our system today. And so from a, a safety standpoint, we're all too aware of just some of the issues that are facing our schools right now and the need for security in our schools that I think there can be more robust funding for some of those measures. And then just from a school standpoint, we need to do our best to make sure that our not only are our schools funded, but also our schools are teaching kids those shared truths that we hold so dearly that all men are created equal to help create virtuous citizens that will one day give back and contribute to our society as a whole. Mm. Yeah. I mean, safety, health. I mean, I think you're hitting on all of the right things. And, you know, I mean, I recognize that, you know, the very quick pushback is, um, you know, is from folks who want to see a moral change. Right. We, we, mm-hmm. we really would. We'd love to see children conceived into, born into and then raised by intact families. But let's well, let's operate in reality um, and say, yes, that work um at the heart level, absolutely needs to be done. We need revival, um, but we also have to responsibly care for the children who are conceived and born into the culture in which we now really live. Um, yep. And we can't disregard those realities uh, as we are waiting um, and praying for and working for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, okay, agree. let's let's uh, let's pivot and let's take a couple of minutes to talk about a subject that is. Um, Frankly, we avoid talking about because there's some personal guilt maybe associated with it. But the New York Times has this ethicist column, which I often find completely contrary to my Christian worldview, but I read it anyway. Um, And in a recent uh, post uh, in The Ethicist, this question is raised. How much should I spend on my elderly pet? And I thought to myself, being a person who took a chicken to the vet recently, um, that maybe this was a topic that someone else like you should talk about instead of me. No, I, I think you're just as qualified, if not more so, talking about that. And I will I will admit my bias, Carmen. So please know that uh, for all up into my life until the past four months, I never had a dog. And the only pet I had was a gerbil for about a week. 
Um, but four <laughs> months ago, uh, I became the uh, father. Uh, I became the uh, owner of a little dog, Australian Shepherd dog named Freddie, who has a bite that is out of this world, and <laughs> who, um, and so he has he has uh, he has created a bias within me, um, to say the very least. But I think it's uh, the ethicist is asking the right question, right? Um, how much how much of our uh, love and resources should go toward an elderly or dying dog? And then just from a biblical standpoint, I'm just keenly reminded uh, of uh, Proverbs 12:10. the idea of the righteous doesn't disregard the plight of the animal to such an extent that it, it's almost as if uh, the biblical narrative is sharing that the overflow of God's love in us should flow out and even be lavished upon the animals of this earth that we've been tasked, according to Genesis 1, to have dominion over and to exercise care for. Now, th- then this isn't a this isn't an attempt to disregard our fellow image make our fellow image bearers, but it is to say that there's room enough at the table of God for us to show great amount of love and prioritize the love for our neighbor, but also be keenly aware that the animals are 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 worthy of the love our love as well. We have lots of folks texting in on our earlier conversation um, about government funding and uh, the welfare of children and parents of children. Uh, Yes, I agree with those of you texting in that the church should be stepping in and stepping up, that we should um, be wary of government funds because they come with not only regulations but indoctrination. Yes, I agree Mm -hmm. that the church and other non-governmental nonprofit agencies should better help families. I agree. But sadly, that's not happening on a significant enough scale. And people don't trust the church. People don't trust the church. People have been hurt and broken by the church. People with families have been victimized by the church. Abuse has happened. It is real. And in particular, people who have children with special needs, they are the most left out, um, ostracized, uh, neglected members of the culture. And they're the people who are in the greatest need in terms of resources related to raising their children well. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, opportunity here for uh, those of us who are Christians and part of local churches to have really, really hard conversations about what what's happening uh, in the welfare of the cities in which we live. So there's a little nod there to the book of Jeremiah. Hey, Nick, as always, thank you so much. What a blessing to talk with you. Um, we love you. Give uh, Freddie a little uh, scratch behind the ears this morning. Deal. Deal. So good to be with you. Carmen. Deal. Likewise. That's Nick Pitts. You can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts or at the Institute for Global Engagement. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Wow. Again, thank you for your ongoing um, testimonies on the text line this morning related to uh, the children uh, whom you care for and how hard it is to find the help that you need. Um, Let's keep the conversation going. For those of you who want to join in, the number is 877-933-2484. Mary says, yes, you're right. We qualify for DDA funds. So that is um, funding that the government, which is we the people through our aggregated taxes, um, we qualify for DDA funds, but it's actually hard to find people willing to take what the government pays for providing support. So even though um, the money is available, 
there aren't people willing to care for children who have disabilities. Like that right there ought to convict um, every Christian listening right now. We got to go and talk to our churches about what's not happening for families in our communities with children um, who have disabilities. I'm going to read at the uh, at the opening of the next hour. I'm actually going to read a testimony from Johnny Erickson Tata. It's posted at the Gospel Coalition. I commend it to you. Um, she is um, acknowledging a significant anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, but she's bearing witness and testimony to you know the challenges that she faced early on as a disabled person, a differently abled person, and the stigma that continues to be um, associated with it. So. Yeah, a lot going on on this front, and uh, we as Christians ought to be under conviction in relationship to it. Um, the world um, the world changed over the weekend, and we learned of it yesterday. There is one headline leading all others this morning across every news outlet, outlet and network, uh, and it is this. The United States of America, using a drone, um, has taken the life of al-Qaeda leader, Aman al-Zawari. He was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Kabul, an operation um, that uh, has been in the works for some time. Um, The president addressed it from the White House last night. Uh, U.S. intelligence officials tracked down al-Zawari to a home in downtown Kabul where he was hiding out with his family. Um, The president approved the operation last week and it was carried out on Sunday. Al-Zawari's death eliminates the figure who, more than anyone else, shaped al-Qaeda, first because he shaped bin Laden, um, and then he became bin Laden's successor uh, after bin Laden's death um, under the leadership of President um, Obama. So um, more than anybody else, uh, al-Zawari was responsible for the 9-11 suicide hijackings that uh, resulted in what we remember as the deadliest attack ever on American soil, September 11th, 2001. Um, he was a top aide to um, to bin Laden and then took over after bin Laden's death. Uh, the house that he was in was owned by a top aide to senior Taliban leaders um, in the Haqqani network. And intelligence officials have been watching this for some time, and they knew his, quote, pattern of life. And they knew that he had taken to sitting on the balcony um, and that's where he was sitting when the drone strike took place. And so there is on the ground confirmation um, of al-Zawari's uh, death, his obituary being posted uh, in all kinds of places around the world. So what is your pattern of life and what would it reveal? Yeah. And what will you be found doing when your time comes? Luke Moon joins us next. He serves with the Philos Project and Providence Magazine, and we're going to look at what's going on around the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns when the man comes around. 
Luke Moon is back. He is one of the people we like to talk with about what in the world is going on in the world. You can find him at the Philos Project. You can also follow him on Twitter at Luke Moon One. Good morning, sir. Good morning. You want to give any uh, reaction, uh, hot take on the uh, killing of Al Zawari? Well, I mean, it's it's good. I. I firmly support it. And I'm, I was like, well, I mean, if that's what Biden does when he's got COVID, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's you get COVID more, <laughs> get strong there. Right. Cause he was yeah. actually against the raid that took out by, uh, bin Laden. Bin Laden. Uh, yeah. And, and so the fact that he, uh, you know, went for it with, uh, Al Zawari is, is, is great. Um, but it's also, you know, that you know that that whole argument by the administration was that let's get out, out of Afghanistan. We can do what it takes to control Al Qaeda from the air, basically. Uh, at, at least with with uh, in this case, it's it's accurate. So we'll yeah. see how 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 it continues. Yeah, and we'll see what what if any blowback there is. Um, I mean, you know, we we know from U.S. intelligence that you know he was in that house with his family, and so you know there's going to be collateral damage. There almost always is, um, and so I think there are, there will be ongoing conversations and maybe some blowback for him, um, you know, from p- particular political uh, segments of the population. But um, I wanna I wanted to ask you about traveling with food because a passenger traveling from Bali to Australia. Um, has had to pay a hefty price because they had squirreled away some McDonald's breakfast sandwiches in their luggage and failed to declare them. And so I w- wanted to have a conversation with you about the strangest thing you'd squirreled away in your luggage, but that didn't seem appropriate. So instead, let's talk about um, let's talk about what's going on in Europe because farmers are protesting. What's up with the farmers? Why are the pro- why are the farmers protesting, Luke? Well, it actually started in the Netherlands. There was a regulation or law that was passed that basically would have have forced a, a not an insignificant number of farmers to uh, no longer be able to farm. Uh, the The regulations were against uh, um, uh, nitrogen oxide and ammonia, which is what uh, the the livestock producers produce uh, as a byproduct. And supposedly, you know, that's bad for the environment. And therefore, you know, these farmers should go out of business. Um, and it's one of those. And that has led to, you know, major protests. Uh, the, the farmers turned on their tractors and drove through the streets of the Netherlands, shut down major highways, uh, dumped manure and hay bales <laughs> on the road. I mean, it's just kind of all kinds of like... Oh, my goodness. So here's the thing. My dad talks about the kinds of stuff that they did as farm kids in northern Indiana, like uh, like uh, like on a Friday afternoon after the school had closed Mm -hmm. for the weekend, walking a cow up the steps because apparently cows won't go back down the steps. Yeah. I mean, things like this. So, yes, it sounded like uh, farm kid um, shenanigans, but it was full on farmer protests. It was. It was. Yeah. And um, it, it spread all over Europe. Uh, you know, in Italy and Germany and Spain and Portugal and Poland, all of them had have had subsequent uh, farmer protests. Um, you know, a, a lot of this is in the result of there's a combination of factors. One is the 
increase in costs um, because you know Russia is produces a significant majority of fertilizer used around the world, mm-hmm. um, and the cost of the, incre- the high cost of diesel, which is used mostly in the tractors, uh, has had led to pretty significant cost increases. Um, that coupled with kind of the new green deal kind of stuff, you know, let's, let's not have farms anymore. Let's not have livestock because, you know, we should all be vegetarians. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, some of this is the result of, you know, kind of the luxury beliefs of people who are living in cities and, and, uh, aren't necessarily affected by, uh, what will be the high cost of food. They get super upset. They get super upset when there's not baby formula on the shelves. And you do wonder where they think that comes from. Exactly. No, I mean, if you if you're not growing, if you're not you're growing your own garden and out there doing it with with your hands and a hoe, um, then you got to be pro farmer. Like it's just really simple. If you're not if you are literally not out there with a hoe and your hands growing your own food then you got you have to be pro farmer like this is not the, this isn't even hard to figure out you know but the average person who's has their little like you know raised garden bed and making some tomatoes that doesn't cut it right no no like, no in fact here's doesn't... let me just be let me be perfectly honest with you there's a lot of stuff that we can grow and cultivate right here on our own land and we do but i i don't want to milk animals and therefore i i need the dairy people I, I need yeah. them. So if the dairy people are listening right now, I am for you. I Because I don't want to milk animals of any variety, and I love butter and cheese and cream for my coffee. And so yep. if the pro if the dairy people need an advocate, I'm your girl. Well, the problem, here's the thing, is that, that those regulations are, are coming across the world because they were all part of, you know, the, they're at the... At the EU, it was this, it was actually sounds very ominous. Hey, do you know this was, is why this is why Sri Lanka has collapsed? It is because actually, the, the government actually, in Sri Lanka took all of these things and said, "Oh yeah, let's be a part of that," and they stripped right. their ability to feed themselves. And now right. they and can't; it, their country can't feed itself. Right, and and our our head of USAID. Uh, Samantha Powers said that, oh, it's okay because it will let us trans, it will let us transition uh, to to organic uh, fertilizer and organic food. It do, I'm I'm sorry, but it doesn't. The organic stuff is not sufficient to feed um, what eight, seven and a half, eight billion people on this planet. It's not going to work, and no. and unfortunately, you know the. the the conspiracy theorists out on my on my feeds, um, uh, you know, sometimes give me pause because it sure does seem like that there's some co- coordination going on. But the <laughs> the funny thing is this: Euro- the European regulation that l- led to this is called uh, Natura 2000, which just sounds so like ominous it's like literally sounds like somebody like dr evil came up with it right like where's james bond when you need him because nature 2000 is going to cause the starvation of europe and perhaps the you know vast other vast parts of the world but it's 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 really i'm i'm so proud of those farmers i wish they were getting a lot more uh publicity um 
I, I have no idea whether or not they will change anything, but it did spread to um, both the regulation and the protests and spread to Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, even to the point where um, the, the one one part of Canada you know, made it illegal to sell produce on the side of the road at your own farm because they wanted to control how that produce is then is sold. And it's very, it seems very, um, yeah, it just seems very organized, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I swear, I swear, Carmen, I, I, I well, don't and you, you have to have well, just for just for the record, you have stuff. to have the fertilizers to make the plants to create the quote plant based food. So I, yeah, anyway, it's it's it's, a, it's, it's, it's I, I clearly you and I should be in charge of this. OK, Luke Moon and I will be right back. We have a number of other international headlines to talk about Pelosi's trip to Asia, um, the saber rattling in Iran, Iraqi unrest. Yep, we're going to cover it all. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Throw me like a stone in the water, watch the mud rise up. Dress me like a lamb for the slaughter, pour me Thanks again for all of the texts this morning. You guys have me laughing, um, especially with the text messages at 877-933-2484 that clearly you were talk texting into your phones. And, um, well, sometimes it sends me messages that <laughs> clearly are not the ones that you're saying, but it's funny. So thank you. Um, we are talking with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. Uh, Luke and I are both pro-police and pro-farmer, for those of you wondering on the text line this morning. Um, we're also pro-Nancy uh, Pelosi making a visit to Taiwan, which is going to be a part of her Asia trip now, we're pretty certain. Um, and uh, in addition to farmers protesting across Europe and now in Canada, we also have protests in Iraq that are quite different. Tell us about these Iraqi protests, this unrest in Iraq. Well, they're they're having trouble forming a government in in Iraq. Uh, you know, Iraq is is split between uh, Shia and Sunni, uh, basically population centers, uh, and the 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 Shia are are aligned with Iran, the Sunni are, are ride, uh, allied with Saudi Arabia, etc. And and the uh, protests were the result of the pro Iran. Uh, nomination for, of a guy for 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 prime minister, uh, and so obviously the people who are against that were they protested, but they protested in the green zone, which was you know the place where the you know the U.S. bases were, but it's also where the government uh, is is held, um, and it's just a you know that that stalemate because of the population is pretty split down the middle, neither side really can form a government when a government's formed you know people protest from the other side so it, it 
it's continuing to be a, a really uh, a, a big problem there. Um, you know, sometimes it, it does work when governments aren't able to form. I mean, I, I don't know if if Belgium has a government yet, but they didn't have one for a long time. <laughs> it worked just fine. But the, at some point it does it does really actually help to have a prime minister and stuff. And they're they're in they're just keep kind of going back and forth and they're able to form a government. Hmm. All right. We have um, some saber rattling going on uh, from the Iranians. The New York Post is reporting this morning that Iran has threatened to build nuclear warheads, warning that it has the capability to turn New York into, quote, hellish ruins. Um, I just wanted to be assured that you're not in the city today. I Well, I'm going in the city later. But, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to hellish ruins, we did have a mayor named de Blasio, and I think he already kind of did that. <laughs> But I'll give it to See, you. I know, set you up sometimes. I set you up sometimes. I know. It's like putting a ball on a tee for a kid. <laughs> you know, that was too easy. I'm sorry. It's it's uh but yeah, it's it's you know, it's one of those things where um you know, Iran regularly says that, you know, death to America, we're going to destroy you and and we're like, Yeah, okay, you know. And I mean who didn't think that the whole point of this, you know, the nuclear program in Iran was for nuclear warheads. I mean, yeah, I don't actually, know. I mean, we is it's there's this part of government um, which which pretends that the population is so stupid that we don't actually, you know, we 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 don't think uh, that reality is reality, and uh, you know. It's it's foolishness to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I expect Iran to get a nuclear weapon, and I I expect when Iran does, the Saudis will then next, and maybe the Egyptians will have a nuclear arms race, and uh, you know that could go in one of two directions. Some city in the Middle East is 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 uh, you know gets a nuclear bomb put on it, and it's terrible, and the world remembers why those things are very dangerous and we shouldn't give them to kids. Um, or, you know, it will be like when India and Pakistan both got nuclear weapons and they almost, you know, threw them at each other, but then decided, no, we should probably not do that. And it, they have, they're, they're not at peace, but they're at a, they're at a stalemate right now mm-hmm. with against each other. And they, they're not friends, right? They have some they have some territorial disputes that are pretty um, they can get pretty bloody sometimes. And so it's right. you know, that's what's coming. But uh, hopefully hopefully it'll be the, you know, the India Pakistan model instead of the, you know, the other one uh, instead of other ones. Um, we only have a couple of minutes, but I don't want to lose sight of what's happening um, in Ukraine. We have a number of video uh evidences of ongoing Russian atrocities, particularly against members of service members of Ukraine who are captured by the Russians. Just brief us in on this, remembering that we have, um, you know, we have families listening. Right. Um, I mean, there was there was some pretty nasty atrocities, uh, you know, beatings, um, castrations, killings that's being captured on on video and then posted you know, on the internet, I guess this is, you know, one of those, you know, one of those first wars where, you know, I guess TikTok and YouTube are, are, you know, easily shareable video content. And so, 
it's pretty well documented at this point that that kind of thing is happening. Obviously, it's illegal. It's a war crime to to kill a prisoner of war. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, Russia is particularly concerned about that right now. Uh, you know, and and, you know, there there is a lot going on in in Ukraine still. You know, it's just because it's moved off the front pages other than, you know, the photo shoot with Vogue. Um, it, it has, you know, it continues to be a hot war, um, you know, drone strikes in Crimea, uh, you know, Putin, uh, talking about, you know, making a priority of the Navy and, uh, creating a, you know, or, or actually launching, um, hypersonic cruise missiles. I mean, it's a, it's going to be ongoing. I mean, hopefully this is, you know, it, it does, um, kind of wane a bit but it's it's still uh going to be a a real crisis for the world because because of the you know the gas coming out of russia gas and oil coming out of russia into europe europe's not in a position to um you know keep the lights on necessarily um and also you know the like we talked about earlier the fertilizer um the grain the 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 uh, oil that like the cooking oil that comes out of Ukraine and Russia, all of those factors are are going to begin to really impact us this fall. And um, uh, I, I hope we're, we're all kind of somberly aware of that, that we're not done with Ukraine yet. Hey, if there's anybody listening right now and you are interested in sponsoring a family from Ukraine, in particular, a mom in Odessa, her couple, she's got a couple of kids and uh, her 73 year old mother-in-law. Um, if you would reach out to me on the text line, that would be great. 877-933-2484. When we talk about, you know, putting feet to our faith, there are real opportunities to, um, to unite for Ukraine and to help people who are in actual need reaching out to us personally. So if you are in a position to sponsor a family from Odessa um, to make their way here to the United States under the U.S. State Department's Uniting for Ukraine program, please let me know on the text line 877-933-2484. Luke, as always, um, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. All right, that's Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, we got another hour up next here on Mornings with Carmen as we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of the day. We're going to lead off um, reading something from Johnny Erickson Tata about her 55 years in her wheelchair. That's up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.